Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I didn't know you had finalized, though. Yeah, Melancholy, Der Engel, and oh. uh, the other one there, uh, Guinea Pig 2. Flower. Oh, okay, not the Vomit? Not the Vomit Club? No, I watched that one. That one's, like, too much. It's, like, there's no plot, even. Uh, it's just... Uh, vomit Core. I'm slaughter slaughtered Vomit Dolls. It's about a bulimic prostitute who goes to this guy's house and just gets killed while she throws up, and it cuts to footage of her as a child being like really innocent and it goes back and forth between really grotesque stuff and her as a child that's why it's disturbing but sounds great to me uh if there's like no plot there's no plot to guinea pig to vomit core this is john waters speaking electronically like cecil b demented Solo, a film known for, quote, notoriously emptying out theaters in record time, as what Trade Journal put it, has been banned in practically every country in the world. Yet here we are tonight in a drive-in with Solo for the very first time I've ever heard of. <laughs> We're here to celebrate Pasolini and his flash of inspiration as Salo has been called, where he takes Marquis de Sade's 120 Days of Sodom and relocates it to a northern Italian town created in 1943 by Hitler for Mussolini. Pasolini worried, would this be clear to the normal person seeing the film? Well, there's nobody here normal tonight. Let's not fret over that. Salo is an amazing movie, essential to have seen, as the New Yorker film critic put it, but impossible to watch. Nothing is more contagious than evil, a character says in tonight's film. And in this story of horrors telling filthy little tales to arouse their impotent audience of fascists who claim to be the real anarchists, so different from today's political situation? Could this film be made today? 14-year-old boy and girl extras doing circle of shit scenes? <laughs> True, the feces was chocolate, unlike what I used in Pink Flamingos. Imagine their memories. When I was 15, I ate shit for Pasolini. Oh God, there are some scenes in the solo you won't believe. Tongues cut out, penises being sliced, but it's all for art. The haunting score made up of the sound effects of bomber planes and the misleading carefree theme by Anio Marcocino and that last shot. So simple, so depraved, so purely evil but beautiful. I cry every time I see it. Solo, masterpiece of sadism, joy, and the thrill of extreme filmmaking. Get more out of life. See a movie. See Solo. I think horror filmmaking is not filmmaking by the book. It's uh, something you do out of passion. Welcome to Speak All Evil podcast you were warned about i'm trent here with kevin and dave hello hello hi cat is on a little holiday hiatus this week and uh whenever cat isn't here the first thing i always think of is <laughs> you know, what are some of the most extreme disturbing movies we can see without having to put her through it so uh, in that spirit 
got a couple of selections this week. Uh, the first movie we're going to discuss is the infamous... Disgust. You know, the first movie we're going to disgust is the infamous, <laughs> legendary, most disturbing film list constant called Solo, or 120 Days of Sodom from 1975, directed and co-written by Pier Paolo Pasolini, based on an unfinished novel from uh, 1785 by Marquis de Sade, uh, but with the story relocated to a small town in 1944 fascist-occupied northern Italy called Salo. This is where four rich and powerful local libertines known as the Duke, the Bishop, the Magistrate, and the President have decided to make a pact of depravity and have this hedonistic, lost weekend of totally amoral sex and violence and torture at this palace in Salo. And they begin their pact at the top of the film by um, sealing this deal in which each of them marry each other's young daughters. And they take the daughters along with 18 captured uh, local young teens, right? There's nine boys and nine girls that they've used their, like, uh, fascist Nazi soldiers to, um, to apprehend. And they take them all to this palace where they've also brought four older ladies of the night uh, to sort of, like, regale them with tales of their most horrifying experiences with their sickest clients because that turns on the fascists, gets them excited, gets them in the mood to reenact these stories uh, on the captured teens while adding their own ideas to the mix. They've also got some soldiers there and some other guys like for backup, so there's no hope of any escape for anyone. It's not like a movie where you're expecting anybody might get out. The captives are totally at the mercy of the captors. Um, I had never seen this before because uh, as long as I've looked for it, it has never been available on any of the like main streaming services uh, that you would use. I've always heard about this movie, always read about it. I've always wondered like how hardcore can this old Italian movie possibly be? You know, like I'm sure Marty Scorsese thinks it's pretty wild and <laughs> crazy, but I mean, with all the stuff we've seen, would this movie truly rank alongside the most extreme stuff that we have seen? I think now, having seen it a couple times, the answer is yes. Believe the hype about Solo. I feel pretty confident in saying this is, I think, the most disturbing movie I've ever seen. I can definitely say, at the very least, this movie contains the longest sequence of any movie, like the whole heart of the film, I cannot watch in full. Even even two times through, I can only do like, I do this like, um, this kind of method when, when something gets really rough visually, I kind of like peek through my hands and, and I look to the side and look back, you know, I can watch it enough so that I know what's happening, but I cannot actually watch this movie in full without looking away. Um, this is uh, right now available on fdupmovies.com. An amazing site. We can talk about that some more. Uh, there's a little tutorial I think you need to use effed up movies. You can order this movie on DVD easy enough. This is actually a Criterion collection uh, selection. You can order like a, um, a deluxe like Criterion package of this movie. It's not like this is some kind of like underground thing. It just isn't going to be on Netflix or Hulu probably anytime soon. Um, uh, 
I don't know really what to say. Like, I, I don't know what to say beyond this is one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in my life. Kevin, you, this is your first time seeing Solo, right? Correct. You had heard all about it, like me. We've, we've always, like, this is kind of a white whale horror movie if you're just dealing yep. with streaming services. Yeah, it's always been out there. It's always been all the lists. Um, Dave and I talked about this I, several years ago, and I think, Dave, you found it on, like, YouTube or something, and I believe that it had the same effect on Caitlin that it had on me. Um, but, I, yeah, I never really sought it out just because, as we've we've now known, I have a real big sensitivity to poop. Don't compare you to Caitlin in regards to this because she ate dinner while watching this movie tonight. Well, congratulations. I her sent you a video of high us five. eating dinner yes, while watching it. Yeah, you did. So high fiver for me. That's great. I would agree with you, Trent. This is definitely one of the most disturbing movies, but I also would say it's not a very good movie. It's kind of a really boring watch. It's wow. very slow. What? I disagree with that though. Let's go. And I, I'm hey, I'm not getting mad at it for the poop. Like I, I'm fine with that. Like, and it's actually like a relatively you can turn your eyes away at the points that you need to turn your eyes away but it's just there's no character development there the storytelling scenes are like super boring i as a viewer was subjected to torture by watching these long drawn out stories that these women would tell before very little things would happen like yes some of the things that happen in this movie are like super fucked up but like getting there and then like some of the scenes like the stories would would be being told and then it would cut away to like one of the men walking into another room and like jerking off or walking into another room and like reflecting on something like it was just very disjointed to me and didn't like have a whole lot to say i understand from researching this movie benefits from research i enjoyed that part of it but I didn't really think it had a whole lot to say. I don't think that Pasolini got his point across entirely. He did get some points across. Definitely, this is a very personal movie for him and what he went through in his life and as a director and as a person, certainly during the times uh, that he was living in Italy. But overall, yes, it hold, the reputation holds up that it is unbelievably disturbing but as a film, I just thought it was kind of boring. I'm sorry you felt that way because I actually found the the dialogue and the things people said, uh, though very depraved, to always have like this poetic thing about it. And I would argue that the first half of the movie, up until the feces eating, uh, is more disturbing. Then the second half, the second half is very shock or whatever, but when they're laying this all out, it's even more disturbing. And what I thought this movie reminded me of is the Netflix series, Big Mouth. Like when uh, you're a kid and you learn about the mythical sex things like the rusty trombone and like tea bags and all stuff, stuff like that. That's all the stuff they talk about. Yeah. In Big Mouth, this is if there was like a an Italian boot camp for that sort of learning. And in the society of like rich weirdos 
uh, reminded me a lot of Martyrs. Yes. And also same. Hostile. It's same. that type of thing where these people are so rich that they've got you right where they want you, and there's nothing you can really do about it. Um, and most of the movies that have this sort of like super society, you never see a happy ending. No one ever gets away. It's always just, uh, I heard this movie referred to as eat shit and die the movie. Yes. And you know, that's, that's pretty right. I didn't think this movie was boring at all. I thought the, the dialogue and the faces of the characters, the people that play the, the bad guys, uh, the old gross libertines, their faces are so distinct. Like I've never seen them in another movie. And I assume from this that they're probably never going to be, I, I don't know, but <laughs> they but, weren't asked but to I work feel again. Like I'd seen their faces forever because they were such uh, memorable looks to each one of them. And then all the children and the, and the young people in the movie that were being tortured, the victims, they were all so innocent and likable. And I thought that was the character development i thought um especially when i thought the point where they really developed the characters was when people started snitching on each other yes. to get out of trouble yes like you never yeah, see but that, i mean to me that was like a little bit too late like too little too late well i mean you get the feeling right away from this movie that like they will kill you no matter what um one of my favorite scenes in this if i'm going to say my favorite scenes is such a bad movie but it's like a, a kid comes out and they're like execute this kid immediately and he's got like jizz all over his face <laughs> and he was like he dared pull away from me and my moment of climax is like he didn't pull away that much you know like that's pretty harsh and they execute the guy and it's like you realize that they establish there's no escape. Everyone on the outside world, they think you're dead already. You're like not even, you don't exist right now. And there's no way of escaping. And that goes throughout the whole thing. So there's this dread. You know it's not going anywhere good because of the notorious reputation this movie has. And I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. It gave me like a really bad feeling. Um, but, you know, you talk about the timeline uh, like we were talking about 30 days a night didn't seem like 30 days. You know what I mean? Uh, this was supposed to be 120 days of Sodom. So that whole section, maybe like the third slash fourth act is, uh, essentially just this really fast edit, uh, from one scenario to another scenario. Um, that doesn't really do anything for the plot it's just as many torture scenes as you can possibly imagine uh next to each other and that's the part where i could see where someone would think it's boring it's weird looking people doing weird bad stuff to children um they use a lot of like obstruction of view for some of the more graphic scenes uh, but that almost makes it weirder and like more gross in like a dry, humpy kind of way, you know, it's like kind of, yeah, it, 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 it makes you think of it they're more. They're like doing it, like it some literally sort of makes you think of it more. Yeah, they're doing some sort of cinematic loophole. Even though I heard that, like during the the filming of this, there was lots of like they couldn't stop snickering and laughing. 
I heard that people there were some burns. Yeah, they're, they're, some there's injuries, a prosthetic there's, chest. Yeah, there's like on a whole... Sergio who looks just like Justin Bieber. So if you have like a Justin Bieber thing, uh, I suggest you watch Solo. Uh, but he gets branded, and it was a fake prosthetic chest, and he actually thought he was going to die at that moment. Wait, is that is that Bieber or is that the Nick Jonas character? No, that's Sergio. Who was oh, because there's also Nick Jonas. Nick Jonas is one of the guards. Nick Jonas is in this as well. You mentioned the the part where they start the captives start ratting each other out. I mean, that is to me that's part and parcel of the whole the the fascist occupation. People are um, enticed to maybe maybe you can get out of this if you can like turn someone else in. You know, that's that's always a big part of. Yeah, Ghost so, states evidence. Yeah, exactly. And so you, you think that if you can turn people, turn other people in, then maybe like, you know, you can get away with it or maybe they'll let you go. It doesn't usually turn out that good. Although I thought that the captors in this seem to, at least at some point in the movie, seem to like be ready to to keep their end of the bargain. I don't, I'm surprised you thought this was boring, Kevin. I thought this was like pretty I don't know. I, I, I guess like this movie goes through a cycle. It lets you know like... Part one is the anti-inferno. Part two is the circle of manias. And then you have the circle of shit, which I don't know. <laughs> circle of shit. If, if like the version we watch, like that's literally the subtitle. It's like the circle of shit. Yeah. The subtitle you, is right because it's a mod, whatever the word is. It's like the Italian swear word for it's shit. Uh, okay. And then you have the circle of blood. But I actually, I would. I would disagree with Dave that I became like if he became disengaged in the fourth act, um, I actually became like re-engaged, and that's the act that made me start to think about everything. It made me start to think about the characters and the morality and what I had just seen and struggled to see, not just for, from the content, but because the pacing is really bad, I think, in this movie until that part. And I would agree with Dave. Like, you're right, Dave. Like, all of a sudden, it just, like, comes off the rails, and they want to pack a punch in the last act. They also but it, they also it are trying make... to, like, uh, cover the time. I don't think... Like we're talking... It's yeah, 120 I, days. I don't think this... I think this is supposed to be a weekend. I think the 120 this days... This might be Sodom, a weekend for you, Trent. I don't I think... Mean... Yeah, but 120 <laughs> days, that's, like, how many months is that? I, I think... I think that that's just the title of the book that it was based on. I think this is supposed to be a, a couple days. It was my impression. Mm. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. But I. I thought that the end. I liked how fast the end picked up. I. I. I mean, maybe not the best pacing, like I said, but I liked how all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute, why is the piano player jumping out the window all of a sudden? Like, she's been privy to all of this. Like, I, maybe she hasn't seen it, but she's definitely heard the stories. And I, one thing I liked about this movie a lot, and Trent Michael Haneke has called this his fourth favorite film of all time. I know. And there's, there's a couple scenes where the piano player, the weird uh, Dana Carvey-looking guy that's one of the four main, uh, I guess you would call them protagonists or uh, uh, antagonists of this movie, uh, they break the fourth wall a bunch in this movie. And those times really got my attention, and I enjoyed that. So the fourth act, especially when they start snitching each other and there's so much torture, that actually engaged me and made me start thinking, 
wait, who was that person? Who was that person? What, what was that person thinking the whole time? The only reason I'd ever go back and watch this a second time is because of the fourth act. And I would maybe want to go back and see the watch more carefully the actions of some of those people that have a more prominent role in the fourth act than they had for the other. Because essentially the movie is faceless, nameless, tortured teenagers. Yes, I couldn't tell one from another. These four weirdos, these four weird men, these four weird women, and the piano player, which, again... Like her jumping out the window is a very key scene in this movie. But that that was for some reason. That's because that was after the torture in the courtyard. Like she was okay with the sexual abuse and stuff, and I guess she was okay with the circle of shit. But when and and, but, and, and hold on, was she also the one playing the accordion at one time? Yeah, that was her. And she does a whole dance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's one character that you cannot, with any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> say was underdeveloped and that is the blonde lady who uh like taken out of context of this movie she would have just been a 90s stand-up comedian uh she just told these (laughs) vulgar stories uh that was her whole job and it was kind of like you were going on a ride at disney and like while you're waiting to get on the ride they're like telling you what's about to happen um the blonde lady just she looks like the good witch from the Wizard of Oz. Mm. And she tells these very graphic stories of like uh, how she was so aroused when she was seven years old by this, uh, I, I don't know who, somebody fucked her and skied it all everywhere. And she just tells these stories with such joy. And you really get a feeling... Uh, you get to know her whole life from like seven and she's like in her maybe sixties here. Uh, and she's just had a life of, uh, she just has always been down to pleasure and she spent a life of this and she's content. She's the opposite of the lady that jumped out the window. She is ride or die for this sort of libertine lifestyle. Yes. And I, I did kind of like that character. Uh, she is the only thing in this movie that kind of made me laugh from time to time. Um, and the other, the other one was when the guy just like showed his butt to everyone in the whole room <laughs> during dinner. Like I always wanted to do that. <laughs> I thought like where I think where not the stories did bore me a little bit, but I think where I like really got no bored where there were some scenes you weren't where naked like, then. what's that? Then you weren't naked. The butthole inspection scene. Mm. Yeah. That that was a little bit much for me because first <laughs> and foremost, it took way too long. But also like like it wasn't even like they had like a glory hole or something. It was like just a bunch of boys and girls bent over and like with a flashlight, like you're gonna know if that's a boy or a girl, and they're like the no, only I think they way had to, be, to tell I think like, they had to be tucked. I think that was the if you don't know it's a boy or a girl. I think that was because they were in the position they were like tucked. I think everybody had to be sort of like they were all set up and like tucked in so that they were only examining the asshole. This movie is all about the asshole and they never stop talking about the elasticity. The, the asshole. <laughs> yeah. They talk about like vaginal sex is like yesterday. That's that's like commoner bullshit. These guys and they keep saying how refined they are. That's a word that keeps coming up. Right. The refinement. It's like everything's a delicacy. The refinement of the anus and the poop and the shit. That is that is what reminded me of you brought up martyrs. 
very similar, I thought, where in Martyrs, it's like they're they're so far removed from common society that they're trying to like explore the outer limits of pain and torture. Same exact thing in this. They've decided that they're so refined that they need to, the only way they can like get any kind of like jolly or any kind of insight in their minds is to explore this outer reaches of, you know, of power. And it's all about, you know, the power over their subjects. And that's what gets them excited. It also reminded me quite a bit of a Serbian film. And I think it's interesting that if you're, if you're Pasolini and you make this movie and you set it toward like the end of world war two, and you set it in, in fascist occupied Italy, you're like making some sort of like, powerful statement um about fascism and about power uh but if you're just like a kid from serbia a place that nobody romanticizes that nobody um you know puts their culture on a pedestal their art their food whatever if you're just from serbia and you make the exact same movie to me then people write you off like you're some sort of like smut merchant meanwhile you know pasolini gets the criterion selection so i thought that was interesting the name helps it just sounds. It it is. That's what it does. Like, yeah, that's it's, like, it's a pass. It's a free pass. The Pasolini. Pass. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about smut. We're talking about Pasolini. We're talking about cinema. The great yeah. Pier Paolo Pasolini, not some Serbian guy. Made I'd like some to gross get personal. Movie. Can I get personal for a second? I would just like to say that uh, I've a goal of mine has never for anyone on earth to ever see my butthole or know anything about it same and i think that i've i've done that i've just been you know tail between my legs like that's a goal of mine i don't want anyone to see my butthole the thought of being inspected like that oh don't <laughs> i'm look up at for it, it. Kevin. no i i mean I, everything you say is right i i love um I think I liked researching this movie and understanding definitely Pasolini's past a lot yes. more. Like, you what, know, his yeah. Marxism. To me, when I was reading about Pasolini personally, I thought it kind of made the movie more suspect. Like, I kind of got the vibe that he seems like one of those guys because, like, he married a 15-year-old or something like that. He, yeah, and he was jerking off with 16-year-olds. Yeah, he seemed like one of those guys that was like, mm. remember when um, Pete Townsend from The Who got busted for like looking at pornogra- child pornography and he said that he was just researching a book about it? Like That, that seems like, right. like, oh, I was trying to stop abusive teens. Uh, uh, I, yeah. I, I kind of got the vibe that Pasolini well, yeah. might be a little bit more into this kind of stuff and he's presenting this work as some sort of like critique of fascism, but really, I don't know how far some of this stuff was from what he might have himself enjoyed. I don't know. I'm not taking either side of this. I'm just presenting another side where this is also at a time where if you were an openly gay person and definitely on the left side of politics, yes, I don't know how well history has represented him. Yeah. So I want I want to bring that up. I'm I'm not saying that it's not true that he was caught like jerking off with 16-year-olds and doing but but let's look at it from a context. But what I am saying, one of the things I will give credit to this film for is it it, it taught me things about a time that is still relevant now where I'm still like people definitely didn't like you can weaponize and politicize a word 
in politics and convince people that it's the exact opposite of what they need. And I think we're in a time where that's happening now. But as far as Pasolini, yes, very controversial. I'm not going to stand by anything and say whether it's it was right or wrong, if it, if it was fact or fiction. I just want to say it was happening at a time where we have uh, considerably less, uh, a lot less ways of verifying it than we do today. And we're at a time today when there are like absolutely verifiable things that are still not, you know, uh, people aren't taken to task for absolutely verifiable things. But the, the really fucked up thing about this movie is that three weeks before it was released, Pasolini was murdered. He was dragged out of his own car, run over by it several times, had his testicles crushed by what was reported to be a metal pipe, but maybe later proven to be a piece of wood. And actually, in the court case, the prosecution played a clip of, of Salo and said, anyone that makes this movie deserves to be murdered. Hmm. And if you ever want to know anything about Italian court of law, the, their justice system, just look up the case of the monster of Florence and fall down that rabbit hole, and you're welcome, true crime fans. Or Amanda Knox. In a more that, re- yeah, another good one. Yeah, more great. recent history. Yeah, there, there was some conjecture about Pasolini's murder because somebody apparently like stole some of the original prints of some of the parts of this movie of Solo. And there was some conjecture that they extorted him. That was how they got him to come to come meet wherever they killed him. Was that somebody told him that they were trying to like blackmail him into getting the prince of this movie back? And he went to meet them for that, and then got killed. It was really like unclear why That'd be a great he was movie killed. in itself. That reminds me of you guys ever see the Miles Davis movie with John Don Cheadle? No, it's about him trying to get his masters back for this for this album that he made from like the label. It's a one night trying to get that but it sounds like the night that Pasolini might have had yeah yeah it sounds like it could have been a similar deal um we, we should talk a little bit just maybe even as a, a cautionary note th- this movie is is broken up into three sections the middle section is called the circle of shit and that's where I really had to bail out because one of the ladies of the night tells this whole story about a client that like ate her shit or something like that and uh, fed it to her. I've never thought before <laughs> when I'm watching a movie and I pause it and then after it says continue watching. I've never <laughs> thought about those words before this movie. I've always just been like, yeah, continue watching. Yeah, of course. It's Let's go. I've always like, I look at the space bar and I look at the thing that says continue watching. Like, do I want to continue watching this? Because it's so bad. So, it- yeah. So these guys, they're already like ass obsessed and it's all about you know, the butt sex and everything. Don't shame. Uh, no, no. I mean, I, it's n- neither here nor there, but that is like their big thing. And then they hear the story about the corporophilia and whatnot. And uh, it begins with, you know, making one of the captives eat uh, a log of poop off the floor with a spoon. And then they decide that uh, they're going to give all the cap, all the captured kids, they're going to give them all these like bedpans to keep under their beds, all right? Because they're all staying in quarters, like, you know, full metal jacket or something. And they, they have to poop in their little bedpans and then they get inspected and they come in and they're like, where's your, you know, 
give this us is, some poop. This is what is confusing to me. Is I understood that scene to be you can't poop in the bedpan. No, I think they wanted them to poop in the bedpan. No, pan. but they were yelling at the the but like the two instances where a boy and a girl in the two different rooms pooped in the bedpan. Yeah, they were like chastised. I feel like they wanted them. And I don't like talking about. I wa- I feel like they wanted them to like save it. And you were in trouble oh, if you pooped. Okay, yeah, no, I think you're right. There, there was because yes, Save it for what, Kevin? Well, no, because they talk about how the poop can be like more delectable and more oh, tasty, for like more, more delicious nutrients. Yeah, oh, the, yeah, yeah. There's like um, there's a part where uh, right where now. one of the the old ladies says <laughs> mine that, is like, too, not in the same way. <laughs> there, there's a part where one of the older ladies says that like uh, her client always said that he preferred the poop from a quote beggar woman. Because it was more putrid and delicious, and then there's the guy, another, the guy on his deathbed. <laughs> yeah, there's another part where they say uh, when someone says like the best uh, poop they ever had was from someone who was just sentenced to death. That made their poop yeah, like yeah. sweetie and tang, <laughs> you know, tang and sweet with. Uh, I heard that the the actors didn't know what was about to happen until right before the scene, so all the the reactions to what was about to happen were honest. Um, but there was one scene, uh, speaking of like hardcore things, there's one scene that reminded me, I, have you guys seen the video of Gigi Allen's birthday? Oh, where he gets the prostitute to pee in his mouth and he's vomiting and all that. Uh, there's one scene one. where the Gerard Butler guy, the guy who looks like Gerard Butler. And I, don't, I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, no, he's in this movie, in Solo. Oh, oh, oh. He's like the guy with the beard. Oh, he's one he's of like the four the guys with the guy. beard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he gets the Duke, peed in his mouth. Oh, the Duke. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. almost the same uh, like camera angle and everything as the Gigi Allen thing. I wonder if that was on purpose. Well, where I had to bail out was when they brought out, they sit everyone down, all the kids and the captors and the guards and the ladies, and they all have this big like banquet, you know, three-way bank, uh, banquet table, and they bring out these silver platters and then they uncover them and all the platters have all shit on them from everyone's poop that they've been collecting from this, like from all the bedpans and the giant vat. And they all start having to eat and, and uh, chow down on the poop. And then like the president guy is like making faces and he's like playing with his mouth with the poop all in his mouth and everything. He kisses the guy on the forehead. Yeah. And he's got poop. There's yeah, like a poop, poop lipstick on his forehead. He's, he has the, the little, the boy is dressed up in the like wedding veil and, and like he has like the poop all over his mouth. And then, you know, I'm like a slave to capitalism. When I hear someone talk about ham in a movie, I want to eat ham. <laughs> if someone's like, oh, I made, I made meatloaf tonight, honey. I'm always like, oh, you know, I'm going to make a meatloaf. And when I watch Solo, I'm just like, I want to eat a big, steamy shit. I want diarrhea to go down my throat, I listen to um, mental health um, (laughs) distractions today before this episode um, to teach myself ways to uh, distract myself from um, conversations that made me upset. Oh. I mean, you've got, there's a whole scene where they, they hook up a bunch of the kids to like dog leash and collar situation. I mean, there is just like all manner of the worst stuff you could imagine in this movie. So it's, uh, it's no joke. It makes you feel bad. 
Like a lot of these movies we're going to talk about in the trilogy of filth, they make you feel bad. Especially this this little thing through the holidays that we're doing here without Cat. Uh, it's going to get gross and it's going to get disturbing and it's not a great way to spend your holidays. So people that are listening to this through the holidays, like cheers to you guys. Hey, let's let's all drink a big cup of diarrhea and cheers oh. to the, the people out there that are, are going through this hardcore stuff with us. And then somehow uh, Pasolini got Ennio Morricone to do the music. Yes, we were just talking about that. How how would we know Ennio Marconi? And then I well I mean the good the good the bad the ugly is probably the biggest one but yeah. I mean if you look the guy up he's done so many amazing scores spaghetti westerns um, I I also know one thing I learned from this movie is that I now know that manja meets eat in yes, Italian yes it does in <laughs> French as well it's not over the toilet brush is completely covered. <laughs> In shit. Oh and it's God. just like it's caked into the fibers of this like plasticky sort of bristle. So I cram the toilet brush in my mouth and I pull it out trying to, to grasp the bristles with my teeth and get this shit off so I can spit it into the toilet. How you doing, Kevin? I don't know. <laughs> Can we see what's in the uh, Can we see what's in the bed hand there, like Solo? Show, show me the bed hand, bro. This pile. <clears throat> you need to eat more. Thank you. you. Eat more shit. <laughs> All right, our uh, next selection, and uh, I'm only gonna try this one time, and then I'm gonna I'm going to refer to it in the uh, translated name. A movie called Der Todesking. Nice. Or the Death King. Written and directed by Jörg Butkerite from 1990. Kevin and I talked about a uh, Butkerite short on our Patreon channel. There's a German horror movie, uh, an anthology movie called German Angst from just a few years ago. And that's out there. You can find that on, on the main streaming channels. It's three short films by three different German horror filmmakers, one being Butkerite. And I've mentioned the Necromantic movies. Um, they've gotten a new life in the States recently on DVD and Blu-ray. So this is another one I chose Sight Unseen. Just reading about it and having some familiarity with the filmmaker. I really like to see things when possible for the first time with you guys in real time. We do a lot of stuff where we're talking about things that one of us have seen and, and others haven't. We're showing each other things and we're doing a lot of reappraising of things that we know, which is all great. But for me, the most fun of all is, is seeing something for the first time, all of us in real time and talking about it. So this is another one that I just went for. This is not a linear story like Solo. The Death King is made up of seven little vignettes, one for each day of the week. And they're all named as such. So it starts with Monday and then goes through each day through Sunday. And each part is a day where it's a, a little like short story of someone either committing suicide or committing murder-suicide. That's it. That That is the movie. Um, I, you know, this isn't as brutally, um, as, as visually brutal as I thought it would be. After you get past that, like... Um, the fully shot castration scene uh, toward the beginning. I think that's Tuesday. Um, it, this isn't the kind of movie like Solo where you, you have to cover your eyes and you, you can't watch it because it's so disgusting to look at. This one is more 
brutal just in the ideas it's it's much much darker in the in the cerebral sense i mean i wouldn't say it's darker than solo nothing really is darker than that but the way that this movie kind of explores the darkness i feel like is a little bit more cerebral i really loved this i watched this a couple times really really good to me and again like a little bit more of a of a an intellectual side of things and not really trying to hammer it home so much with like watching people eat poop um but i i really enjoyed the the death king kevin what do you think of this i like this a lot actually um to be quite honest like i wasn't in the best like frame of mind to watch a movie like this right now um so i think uh dave like you and caitlin and i talked about this where it was like you know, this is a movie that I think you should definitely watch if you're a cinephile and if, like, you're a historian, if you're somebody that likes to watch, like, a really in-depth and interestingly made movie, uniquely made movie. But definitely, like, before you recommend this to somebody, uh, maybe check in on them. See how they're doing. Because <laughs> it's, 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 it's not something uh, that you want to send a friend home uh, in a fragile state of mind to just go watch. Um, but it's, it's, I, for some reason, I thought this movie was going to be in black and white. And I still, like, as I watched it, thought, like, this might be even more powerful in black and white. Either way, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Bouchere? Bouchereite. Am I saying that? Bouchereite. 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 I, th- I think it's Jorg. I think the, I think the J's hard. I think oh, it's is it? Jorg. Oh, I, I just thought it was Jorg. We it's, can ask him. He only has about uh, 500 followers on uh, Instagram. So, <laughs> uh, Either way, it's one of the most unique movies that I've ever seen. It's incredibly powerful. The way that he moves through each of the days is amazing. And where it ends up is incredible. And I love like the weird decaying body. That So this is like an anthology where a lot of modern anthologies have to have this like wraparound stories. So you have like VHS will start with, you know, okay, here's how the movie starts. And then we're going to show you the anthology, but we'll keep wrapping it around. And I love that he just does a dead body. Decomposing. And decomposing. through the, like, And it, it, like he just hangs dong early on. <laughs> Like the body right flips away. over, hangs dong, and then it just shows you it decomposing. But but honestly, it's shot very beautifully. It's it's a it's an interesting. I don't want to say a master class, and we just talked about this last week. But like ADR and Foley's, this movie was like shot with almost zero audio, so everything that you hear in the movie was either an ADR. Or a Foley. Same with and Solo. They did the same thing. That? Same with Solo. That was all ADR. N- none of that stuff. Even all the um, the four the four libertines. Those guys, the actors, they wouldn't come back once they realized what how controversial it was going to be. Those were all dubbed. Everything in that movie was dubbed in, which I find amazing. It's not that obvious in Solo. No, it's, it's not. Very, it's very is is very obvious in this. Yeah, like as beautiful as what i think he was going for in this is uh you could almost watch it knowing that and think um it could it could push to so bad it's good 
because the audio dub and the foldies, everything is so off time. There's so many things. But again, I'll say the way that he progresses this and the way this movie made me feel. And again, just like Salo, there's very topical things that happen here that we can get into. I don't know. I think this movie crushed me. It like crushed me. I thought about it for days. Um, yeah, this is one that uh, I don't. I don't think that I'll ever be the same person again. <laughs> Whether that's like one or two percent of like a different person, it did change me. And oh, um, great, he did something. He did something really beautiful here. Um, so fuck you, Trent, for picking this mission this week. accomplished. That uh, makes me. But happy. also thank you. Uh, it's it's something that. Um, you know, I think uh, I don't know. I'll never see something like this again. He did. He he made something beautiful. Effedupmovies hmm. dot com. Yes, that's where we'll be for the next few weeks. No, fuck mostly. you, Effedupmovies dot com. <laughs> We're mostly going to be there. Off my computer for the next fucking two best, weeks well, until I have to watch Dave's movies. You know, I've I've been long time uh, pirater of movies. I'm the guy that will watch the movie with the guy's head in the movie theater in front of you because someone's filming it on their iPhone. <laughs> like, I watch that shit. I'm illegal as fuck. Uh, but the thing where effedupmovies.com doesn't go wrong is they don't try to put the new Spider-Man on there and get shut down. So right. all these other pirate sites get shut down all the time. Effedupmovies.com is movies people don't want to see. You shouldn't see these movies. And for the legend of these movies a site like this is perfect it's like what you want like you need to have your movie out there somewhere and almost like if the more rare it is and the more hard to get it is uh it's almost like a badge of honor i feel like to some of these movies because they're obviously not trying to break the mainstream um but i had never seen a bucharite movie before i'd never seen necromantic what I, you you know what necromance is. Uh, so like you don't, to me, it was very lowbrow. I didn't even consider it to be high art. I, I didn't watch it because I thought it was just, oh, people fucking corpses for shock value. <laughs> right. And I'd never seen a Bucharest movie before. I just put this on and for real, me and my girl both had a straight up existential crisis. Like, fuck, we're gonna die, <laughs> fuck. And it, it it was profound. And the way I picture this, and I think when I put it on was like the perfect right time of day or whatever. I was just in the mood for this. It reminded me of an art installation or like you go to an art gallery and you look at all these cool, weird, disturbing paintings or whatever, and you get to this little room and there's like a film playing in the room and you sit down in the room and the film's like on a loop and you just watch it. Uh, it reminded me of, of that kind of thing where uh, you could pick it up at any point in the movie uh, and just kind of be impacted by what happened. And I thought each one of the- I thought of the fact that this could be done as a play. Okay. Not that I ever want to see this again, but like I thought this movie could be done as a play on the same stage. You could do all seven days of the week and incorporate the decomposing body 
Yeah, maybe we could do a musical of it. But anyway, I'm going to finish my take. Um, I liked how they were stylized very differently. Um, And there was like one that really stood out to me uh, that was a section I didn't understand until I researched the movie a little bit um, was, uh, you know, you're watching uh, a movie with subtitles. So a name would come, they would show a bridge and a name would come on the screen and it would say their occupation. And when you first see this, it looks like the credits are rolling. That's what I thought it was. So this is like Thursday or something. This is later in the movie and it's all these shots of a bridge and it just keeps showing a name and an occupation. And it's just like fireman or something. And I was right. like, well, I don't remember a fireman being in this. Exactly. M- in this, right. but maybe in the background there was a fireman or something. But then uh, once you read about it, uh, what this is, is a lot of this movie is based around suicide. Uh, I would also say like mental illness, but it shows the bridge and the, the perspective of where the people jumped from and went and like uh, like all the different people. This this bridge was really good <laughs> at killing. <laughs> it's almost people. like a Stephen King bridge. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I thought that was really profound. I also thought a scene uh, or a, 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 a I don't, I want to not really call it an anthology because it does it is one piece it, of it is art and there's together. even some um, overlap in the first two days. Right, but like. Uh, the scene later on where there's just a guy in his room having a mental breakdown. Oh my God. Uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, Possession, which I've been obsessed with lately as far as like acting in this like visceral existential way that you're just losing control completely. And he does this uh, and uh, spoiler alert, he, he kills himself by just bashing his head against a wall um it's it's very visceral it's very raw and and i found the whole thing to be very very powerful um and especially the in-between sections with the decomposing body and like i had i had thought uh when watching it that maybe it was real i know there was some like really weird parts where like the the flesh was like breaking apart in a really unnatural way. But that's what made me think that it was real. Like I'd never seen anything like this before. Uh, I thought of like the artist who does the things where like he takes the dead bodies and like makes them play tennis and shit. You know that guy? No. Well, there's a, there's a, an artist who people donate their bodies to him, dead bodies. And he sets them up doing like things in life, but they're just, these corpses um and i i was thinking when i watched this movie it had such an impact on me that i was like what if this dead body's real and what if they just time lapsed a dead body the whole time and i think that's what gave me the existential crisis is thinking of an actual dead body there so maybe it was just my wanting this to be real uh but when i watched this movie i wanted it to be real and it was a just a really good depiction of mental illness um but it was like i don't consider myself to have mental illness but i related to the characters in it in a strange way yeah um i i I thought it was great i love this movie i thought about dying 
<laughs> while watching this movie and other movies you know i watched friday the 13th and like yeah maybe maybe i'll get speared when i'm at camp maybe it could happen but probably not like probably not but would i just go insane because humanity sucks and everything's terrible especially this next three weeks i'm going to be thinking these thoughts a lot um so yeah this one was heavy for me um I am now going to go and watch all his stuff um, because, but I'm going to watch it when I'm in the right frame of mind because this is definitely a really heavy thing. But you have to look at it like you're looking at a painting. You can't, right. you can't be impatient. You can't want uh, a, a storyline. You just have to be there for what they're putting in front of you. Um, I, I want to kind of like go through the the days of the week because one of the I think ingenious things about this movie is that the first section is Monday. And Monday is an office worker, like a white-collar guy. The movie starts with him calling his employer and telling them that he's quitting. And not only is he quitting, but he would like to take his vacation time now, and so he's not coming back. And and they ask him, like, if he wants to come get his stuff, and he's like, no, I already got my stuff. Like, he's not coming back to work. And then he's writing all these letters. He's writing, uh, you know, uh, ostensibly, I guess, these would be suicide letters. And he's writing to everyone to tell them what he's done. And it's a very um, ignominious death. Like, he just takes a whole bunch of pills, and he, and he fills up the bath, which I like that kind of, like, he's got, like, a backup method. Because he's going to pass out from all the pills, but then he's going to drown also. Like he just like fall, you know, slips, you know. Like his fish, because his whole apartment yes. is, everything in his apartment is fish. It, right. And so the, the, the fish dies, his little goldfish dies at the same time as him when he, he just slips under the water and then he's vomiting up the pills and all that. And so that's over. It's pretty quick. But then that that's the only um, continuity, I feel like, because then the next story Tuesday now and and I, again I thought I just thought Monday was appropriate because it was like if you've ever worked nine to five Monday through Friday if you have that kind of life like Monday is your hell and you spend most of the day Sunday like dreading Monday it, it is a special kind of hell if you have that kind of lifestyle you're like oh my god this you just feel the in, in your stomach you've got Monday tomorrow so this is the guy on Monday saying he he's not taking any more. And then it, it goes right into the next movie where the, the next person that's shown is a guy and he's getting a letter from the guy on Monday. Like he knows him. Right. He doesn't open the letter. He goes to the video store. He's looking to rent a movie and he's looking at all the VHS. Now this is 1990. Oh. So this is made like in the late eighties and all of the movies in the store is showing like all of our classics. Best. Day of the Best. Dead, yeah. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Videodrome. Uh, Cliff them all. called Videodrome. Oh, th right. That's the name of the store. Right. Uh, the, Cliff them all. Cliff them all. Metallica all. movie is on the shelf there. He, uh, the Howling. And then he actually rents a movie that I just saw called Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS. In, in this version, it's, it's something else, She-Wolf of the SS. But there are these like uh, weird like 70s like Nazi exploitation Prison sexploitation. There's touches on that too. Yeah, illegal, yeah, so, in, illegal in Germany, like at the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So he rents Ilsa Shewolf of the SS, and he's telling the guy at the counter who he knows. It's a very like clerks type of situation, <laughs> and you see the poster. Oh, um, in on Monday there's a Jaws poster. 
Just yeah. just to mention, you caught that. I'm sure Kevin, the little Jaws Easter egg poster in the in the Monday. Yeah, guy. Every, you everything said Elsa was, fish. was no good though, didn't you? I, 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 I it's not really fun. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. I, I would say fun. we're not doing fun here. I know, but I, it's just like it's not as good as as either of the movies that we're talking about this week. It, it, I, I like it just of because our it, fun. I'll just put that out there. It filled in some knowledge for me. I didn't know about that kind of like sub 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 genre of of seventies <laughs> exploitation movies. But that's the movie he rents, and then he goes home and he's watching that movie, and what you see is is a recreation. What you see isn't actually what happens in in She Wolf of the SS, but it shows like this like full castration scene with a large pair of hedge clippers very large and it doesn't cut away you see like the full castration and then the nazi guard picks up the penis off the floor and draws a swastika oh, on the guy's chest amazing with the penis in blood like that point was very that was very low brow that section of the movie was very low brow but it was still remained artsy for me somehow and they, oh, they did the thing where it's a TV watching a TV That's of Butcher a TV right. uh, acting as the guy that gets his penis cut off. Oh yes, th- that was him, right? That's the filmmaker. So, oh. the, but the thing that really made me feel seen about that is that it keeps cutting from from that from the the Nazi nazi exploitation movie and it keeps cutting to the guy who rented it and he's sitting in his armchair he's got like two cases of beer on the floor next to the armchair and so he's like cracking beers and uh, drinking and watching the movie and it keeps showing like the horror and the castration in this movie and then it keeps cutting back to him in his chair and he's like kind of laughing and smiling and drinking his beer like what kind of sicko that's the part that really made me feel seen uh and then that turns into a whole thing and then that becomes a movie but that that one two punch to open i thought was pretty powerful i think for me what he did what bucherite am i saying that right close enough uh, like i think what he did is um he wasn't trying to make a movie that took you on a journey which i think a lot of these like movies that are anthologies or like compilations of vignettes do i think what he did is he was trying to get under every single person's skin right and i I, he accomplished that so it wasn't like i'm going to take you from monday through sunday and i want to take you through a week and here's how you feel through the week like this isn't like a fucking holiday movie it was i will find a way with each day of the week unintentionally to get under your skin and so like dave when you said like you found the thursday the bridge scene to be like the big one um i think what he accomplished all the way back in 1990 was to just say i'm going to find a way to make every single one of you fucking people on this planet think about how you're mortal exactly you're all we're all going through the same fucking thing and we're all going through this like together. And can you please think of your neighbor or whoever sits next to you on a park bench or whoever calls into work and says, I'm giving my notice or whoever shows up at your concert. Like it's, this is a very, very powerful and important movie that has a lot to say 30 something years after it was made. And I also like the one, um, it reminded me of, of French cinema a lot, the one where there was the the couple making out on the balcony. 
Yes. And people yes. in the area had received the, a the uh, voyeur chain one. mail. Yeah. They he, received a chain mail letter saying, kill yourself. Yeah. And, <laughs> and most people didn't, you know, take it seriously or they took it with a grain of salt or whatever. But this one couple who seemed so happy, uh, it was almost like gloating. Oh, my God. And then so you see good. them just dead in the bed later. So good. So what, what hold on. What, go ahead. what year? And then, and then, what and year then was no, this, at Kevin? the end of that one, at the end of that one, when she closes the curtain, that's a really powerful scene. Let, let's back what, it up. 1990. Yeah. 1990. 1990. But I want to know, like, the thing where there are these movies, uh, I, I'd say in 1990, Right after this, there was a whole bunch of movies that were like a whole bunch of stories that kind of tie in together uh, in like the mainstream, like 10 conversations about one thing and like all these like hipster movies. Like, I feel like this is really early on in that kind of storytelling yeah. where uh, you have all these different characters. What was it? Uh, the movie uh, Traffic was like that too where it's like yes. all these stories happen and yeah, they tie together yes. at the end the 90s yes. were all about that exactly like this is 1990 yeah, this yeah, is pretty yeah. ahead of its time yeah absolutely that's a good point i hadn't thought of that I, I, and i thought it was way ahead of its time also for us as americans in terms of because it gets into later on it gets into like the mass shooter thing right and i think it oh. offers like some insights that now since we live in America and we have a mass shooter every day, like we, we have like come to think of as like pretty obvious, but I think 30 years ago from somebody who wasn't even an American to have some of those insights, I thought was actually was interesting. Um, but I want to go through the day still. So Wednesday is a guy on a park bench in the rain. He's confessing to someone. It's not clear whether he knows her about how he has murdered his wife because uh, she has some sort of problem where she can't have sex. Uh, well, Go ahead. He doesn't confess that he murders his wife. He says to a complete stranger, every time I have sex with my wife, she bleeds uncontrollably. Well, I thought, though, but at the end of his he pulled story... His, pulled her head off. Yeah, he killed her. Yeah, but he progresses up to yeah, that. Like, yeah, so does, she right. couldn't stop bleeding. <laughs> right. So my, my reaction wasn't to go to the doctor or no. to try to help this. It was to rip her head off. Yeah, so then he he ends up dispatching himself on the bench there. You have Thursday is what we talked about, the bridge, which was so confusing to me until I talked to you, Dave, and then I went back and I was like, oh, okay. I, I was looking at cast members. No, these are all people right. who died off the bridge. Um, Friday, I forgot about chain letters. There used to be yeah. a thing where you would actually get a physical chain letter. Like I just think of like Facebook and, right, and yeah. email. That was the original Facebook. DMs. Yeah, like <laughs> you used to actually get a letter in the mail, and it would be a chain letter. Somebody trying to convince you to to sign up onto the chain and join up and join their like MLM, you know, thing or whatever, and send it along to a hundred other people. That's what we ought to do. We ought to do that to promote our our podcast. So this chain letter says. You should kill yourself. And I thought of you, Dave, at, at the end of the chain letter, at the very end, the last thing is all caps, and it says, let's die. <laughs> you, you thought of me like, yeah, that's yeah. my spirit. Like, that's let's... something that Dave, Dave would be like, let's die, guys. Come on. Um, and you can, by the way, if there's like a, uh, there's a, a, a newer like DVD 
deluxe bundle of this um, where where it comes with a copy of that death chain letter like on on a one sheet the exact oh, nice the exact one from the movie um, that was uh, Friday more time lapse uh, lapse corpse and then Saturday. I, uh, is one of my favorite parts of the whole M- movie. Most, maybe one of the most original scenes I've ever seen in a movie ever, or one of the one of the most ahead of its time. Oh, so original, like just so like imaginative and original and amazing. Way before Dimebag Daryl from Pantera. So Saturday is this uh, a younger woman, and she rigs up this whole like. Well, she says poetry first. Yeah, she does a whole long thing about why the mass. Su- the mass Another murder suicide. boring story like fucking It was Salo. not boring. It was no, not I, boring. I actually, that story, that poem I, that I'm she kidding. says. I'm kidding. It was very poignant and, and very on Yeah, when, I, when I listened to it, it was it was so lyrical, like in the way that she talked about how society, uh, this is their vengeance on you for not conforming. Right. And I thought that was so amazing. And she said it next to her daughter, which you assume is her daughter. It's a young child next to her. While she's saying this uh, little soliloquy of, uh, you know, murder. And then she straps on her camera and goes to a concert. A metal show. A metal show, like <laughs> glam metal. It's amazing. In it's a like, small club. Yeah, the whole mix of everything is, just, is, is so real. That, that was the part where I thought was amazing insight into the condition in America 30 years later. Here's this like underground... German horror filmmaker and that whole speech, Kevin, that you mentioned, she's talking about living in death and and being alive for the first time through dying. Finally, you have everyone's attention, everyone that has ignored you, everyone that hasn't even acknowledged you. You don't feel like you've really lived in a life. You, you've lived in this, uh, you know, small, insignificant totally unnoticed life that even to yourself you don't feel significant at all but here you are now as the the mass murder suicide now you can live forever and that's something that we take for granted like that's just something we do now all the time it wasn't the stuff on screen on this movie that really uh disturbed me or gave me the crisis that i had during this it was like that poem or that little I don't know what you call it, but the little section she says at the end is was so poignant to me and the dialogue and the lack of dialogue, like in the bridge scene and everything, that stuff like was really powerful to me. Like, especially that section you, that you're talking about, Kevin, where she's just sitting uh, in that, like, it almost looks like a, a back of a parking lot with a bunch of dead grass and she's just sitting in a chair yeah, yeah. telling a story. Um that really hit me so hard, like lyrically, uh, or, or just, uh, I guess you don't call it lyrically when it's not in a song, but the dialogue was very, I was poetic. You said it, Dave already is. It's poetic. Yeah. It was amazing. That's, that's the part that got me. What she, what she does is, is horrific, but you know, it's not even necessarily like that. She does it in like a poetic sense. Like, it's you watch her strap this like really comically large camera and then she has to walk up this like step of stairs it reminded me of like the empire 
like the old empire in Portland, yep. like the staircase you'd have to walk up, up to. Up to the club. And yeah. she's essentially like the story she told, she has to walk up the staircase and she's like, in her mind, ascending uh, right. the staircase to heaven. Right. right. Uh, to and to immortality. She, she just starts, yeah, she just starts fucking that, killing everybody. Like that's the only one that's not like a real true suicide. Well, it's um, a murder scene. And I think oh, true. that was true. hard, for, hard to watch for me. Well, I, to me, it was so random, like the juxtaposition of like what was happening, where she was, what she was doing. Like she probably had some press pass because she had a camera strapped to her and a dolly. Everybody and just thought she was right because they, yeah. they gave her a pass because she has this whole camera strapped to her that's that's her point of view. Right. And so that's kind of how she gets in everybody. If you really think about it, it's what makes Saturday the hardest part of the film. It, it, it is. And, and, and it's what yeah. makes Sunday the easiest part of the film. So like she, he, he was fucking brilliant in, in stretching out these seven days. So she goes into the club and, and she's filming the metal show and she just shoots the guy on stage performing and then starts shooting people. We've all seen it in real life now. Like, Again, it's just everyday life for us. But there is a, um, did you notice, Kevin, the taxi driver scene before she leaves her apartment? She has she has the camera all attached to herself and she's standing in front of the mirror and she keeps like drawing her guns oh, yeah, yeah, in front yeah. of the mirror and looking like Oh, I love that. Travis oh, yeah. Bickle, oh, yeah. 100%. He hasn't seen Taxi Driver. He did, but the yeah. camera's like, he did. the camera he did. is he did. This, yeah. like this gigantic thing. Because like, this is what, 1990? Like the camera is, is I, it's like comically three big. feet yeah. above her shoulder. Yeah, it's not like, like a body that, cam. That wouldn't have fit, that wouldn't have fit in a taxi. <laughs> I also liked that it was a girl. Um, everything about that scene just seems so, it seems so random. Like I wanted, I wanted to make a fake true crime podcast called you can make this stuff up and I would add random details like that because that's when, when shit seems real is when it's not, uh, a slasher in the woods in a cabin or, or things you expect. It's just some lady rolls up into a nightclub with a camera on, you don't expect her to do, start shooting people, and and it's just so unexpected that I found it very real. I really loved the um, the quote from some narration in the beginning. I think this is on Monday. That which kills me will remain my secret. That sort of like mystery of like leaving that mystery. It's that shit. It's that shit that fucked me up in this movie. Trying, trying to make some sort of right, just even for yourself, some sort of reason for existence. Finding that like only in stop death. looking me in the eye and reciting <laughs> this stuff again. I already had a crisis watching this. You're like hurting me right now. Hey guys, let's die. <laughs> I love that this is like a another like Butcherite. He Book, did this. Book, with, like, it's a like lot Bukaki. Of friends. No, it's boot. It's boot. With a T. Oh, boot. Butcherite. 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 Nine. Either way, go ahead. Either Kevin. way, continue. I, I love that he he did this in a, a Peter Jackson type of way, where he made oh. this like over like a year with his friends. Um, you know, they'd be doing editing in real times, but also at this time, he was making this movie in Germany. And Trent, we talked about German angst, where I think we talked about it on the Patreon, where. It was hard to make movies like this in Germany for a very long time. Well, we talk about like the underground American horror filmmakers of the 70s and, and the 80s. And it's like 
being an underground horror filmmaker in Germany, you know, you're not supposed to make anything even like that. So it's just, uh, it's a whole nother level of underground than like our heroes in, in underground American horror films. So other than uh, uh, Necromantic, have you guys seen other Bucharest films? Uh, well, there also uh, Necromantic 2. I think, two of those. Well, the Necromantic movies are way more like um, American 80s, like, like, like if, a picture uh, of like Reanimator. Case. It's, yes, th- right. those are much more like Basket Case, Reanimator. Those are more in the American tradition of like over the top, crazy, right. gore filled. To me, this was art. This is I way more like, serious. This is yeah, art. Yeah, like, this is Shard House. Shard House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is way more. Um, Scram is closer probably to this, but it's it's sort of like a German version of like Henry or Man Bites Dog yeah, almost. Scram is, is the same director. Yeah, yeah. And that's on F'd Up Movies too. Um, we should talk real quick though. I want to I want to mention, this is the, the second time we've been to F'dUpMovies.com. We watched I Stand Alone on F'd Up Movies. <sighs> Now, a lot of the movies that we talk about, when we say it's hard to find, we just mean it's not on Netflix, Hulu, Criterion, Shudder, or YouTube. Like, a lot of these movies, you can you can order the DVD, and I'm sure, like, uh, Bucharest would appreciate it if you did. But, you know, that's not really what we do. I mean, I gave up. I was one of the last holdouts for DVD, probably, uh, among us, for sure. But... Um, when you get into the streaming realm, a lot of this stuff gets lost. And I know like effedupmovies.com sounds ridiculous and it is ridiculous, but there is a lot of stuff on there. I just watched a movie from uh, a French movie from 2003 called 29 Palms, which I loved at the time. And I've been looking for it ever since made by Bruno Dumont, who used to make some kind of like early French extremity stuff. He's a little more of a prestige guy. Now he makes like movies about Joan of Arc, but 29 Palms is on effedupmovies.com and it's all free. It is essentially ad supported, but it doesn't show you ads during the film. So the thing about the site is the way that it shows you the ads is that when you're trying to navigate around the site, I'm sure you guys ran into this, it you you have to like fake click a couple times because when you click on something on the site, it just wants to open like well, you have to close a pop up, right? You have to close the pop up. So if you want twice. to stop twice, so if you want to search or you want to stop or you want to to restart or you want to cast to Chrome or whatever, you have to go through like two pop up clicks. Don't let that scare you away. And uh, my other tip about effed up movies would be. Don't try to use the search engine on the site because you're going to be hitting so many pop-ups. Mm-hmm. Just Google search like the Death King effed up movies or 29 Palms effed up it's movies. It's effed up movies like E-F-F-E-D. Yes. And and it will come up in, in Google search and you can just like click directly onto that movie. It will save you some pop-ups. It's a great site though to just like if you don't know what to watch and just like you, you like fucked up movies. <laughs> like, you know, just... It's like the incredibly strange section of Videoport. It's doing what independent video stores used to do. Like, there's so much stuff on effedupmovies.com that I used to be able to go down and um, they would have it, or at least they would know what I'm talking about and they might be able to get it or whatever. But, like, you know, unless you're going to buy like a $30 DVD or something on Amazon, which I'm not going to at this point in my life. Um, there isn't, you know, a lot of these movies are being lost to the, the digital age and, you know, effed up movies is legit. It's, it's keeping those movies out there to watch. So I think it's pretty awesome. I watched a movie called Taxidermia last night. That's amazing. If anybody out there wants to watch a good movie, Taxidermia. Taxidermia.